Hi there, I'm Nick Baird, Corporate Affairs Director at Centrica. Welcome to Why Everybody Hates You, an audio support group for reputation professionals. If you have any responsibility for how people talk, think and feel about your organisation, then you are in the right place. My name is Daisy Powell Chandler and today I'm speaking to Nick Baird, Corporate Affairs Director of Centrica, about why everybody hates him. So I didn't entirely accept the premise of the question. (laughs) We've had some quite good um, customer NPS scores over the last period. We had had quite a good um, lockdown in the sense that we helped a lot of vulnerable customers with their bills. And we did, as you know, a a partnership with the Trussell Trust Food Bank um, and have delivered four four million meals to to vulnerable um, families. But, you know, you are, of course, right. You know, we've had a, we've had over the last few years, um, some pretty negative press, an uneven relationship with the government. And we're now in the middle of um, a tough uh, reorganisation with potentially around 5,000 redundancies and changes to people's terms and conditions. I mean, there are a range of reasons for this, but the biggest, overwhelmingly, I would say, is the cost to the economy of net zero um, and how it's being paid for. So people want the cheapest possible energy bills and largely see it as a vanilla product, which um, they just want delivered cheaply and efficiently. But we are in the middle of a major transformation um, of uh, our energy to meet our net zero targets. Um, And that has significant costs and those costs are largely borne on the uh, energy bills so although many other um, many other elements have contributed to or contribute to what an energy bill costs the, the most significant rise over the last period has been uh, uh, has been the costs the policy costs of the energy transition um, and so that led, of course, to the introduction by the government of a price cap. Um, and the cap is essentially designed to um, reassure customers that, you know, the transition is being delivered at the lowest cost possible. Um, but, you know, if we're going to address this properly going forward, um, we do need much more of a proper debate um, in um, uh, more broadly uh, with the public about, um, not just the cost of the energy transition, but the fact that, of course, it has ultimate benefits, both in terms of carbon reduction, but also actually in terms of our purses, because you know a key part of it is we'll be using less energy, um, and the technologies will help us to use less. Um, but also, what you know, people and individuals actually need to do to contribute themselves to get there. Um, in 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 many ways, it's quite abstract for a lot of people. Um, the the energy transition, um, but I think we're entering into a phase where you know it, it, it'll need to be something done by people, not just done um, at um, at three thousand meters by governments and large companies, but by people individually. So we kind of we, we need that to start, and I think once we have that 
debate going, I think. And, and once our sector is seen much more as a contributor to that process, rather than just um, somebody who costs a lot of money for a van vanilla product, then I, then I think, you know, that, that will hurt with our reputation. And has that challenge shaped the way in which your uh, corporate communications program has evolved over the last few years? Has that been a, a big driver of the way in which you've approached reputation? Yeah, so, so, so I, would say, I would say it definitely has. And I think the, 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 the key considerations that we've, um, that, that, that we've thought about are, f f firstly, kind of authenticity in this space, because, you know, there, there's a great risk of greenwash. Everybody is piling into the space. Um, and, you know, it's right, almost all companies need to be engaged in this in one way or another. Um, but but what is what is differentiated about this company? What is the genuine contribution it can make to the green agenda? And in that space, we very much looked at um, you know what we are as a company. I mean, we we are we are service engineers, and we are those people who support the supply of of, of energy. So it's very much in that area around. Um, how you fit and solve the necessary problems for homes and businesses in their own transformation. So it's very much around. So, um, you know, what, one of the things that, 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 that is not very much on people's agenda at all yet, but absolutely will be soon is that is that of course, all the heating systems in this country, whether in homes or businesses need to be replaced um, either by electric heat pumps or by, um, repurposing um, boilers to use uh, clean gas um, such as hydrogen um, uh, and that's clearly a, a space for us so so owning authentically um, the space of uh, the home and uh, making the home green is one thing that we've been particularly thinking about um, secondly, and, and I think this has been particularly since, you know, the huge impact that uh, there's been on all of us around um, COVID and the pandemic. So, so what are what are the trends that we're seeing in in that space, which which are relevant to this agenda, and will um, continue, will not just leave when the pandemic hopefully leaves. Um, and I would say that is focus on communities, um, uh, local, localism, um, resilience, um, and security. Um, and again, we've been thinking about how our own company fits into those, um, those spaces. And again, local energy markets, how people perceive the whole issue of climate to them and, and their communities, um, I think is very significant. I think most people do think of it in terms of, you know, what what, what do we want to do with our communities rather than much broader um, uh, aspects of climate change. And also, you know, they want, they, they, they want a secure supply of energy. So how, how we fit into our local communities is another, you know, key aspect of what we um, of, of what we want to communicate about ourselves going forward. 
Do you think it's ever possible for big national, international corporates to talk about those kinds of issues in an authentic way? Yes, I do. Um, Because, you know, fundamentally, what are um, many big corporates, certainly this big corporate, I mean, they are um, people working in their communities. I mean, our service engineers are essentially people who work to fix and solve particular sets of problems in their communities. They're out in their vans, visible in their communities. As I mentioned, they've been working uh, in their communities across the country with the Trussell Trust food bank charity, um, delivering meals. And and, and they, they are trusted figures in people's homes and they are known in their local communities. And increasingly, we want them to engage with community networks and schools in their communities and their local councils, their local um, charities, their local um, commercial operations. And, and, you know, that all ladders up to a big corporate, but that is fundamentally what, um, you know, what this uh, company is composed of. Ooh, hopefully a, a great network of advocates for you. Yeah, indeed. And in, indeed, and, 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 and vice versa. Um, you know, the, the more partnerships that we can build um, locally to um, address the issues of climate and, and environment in a, in a local context, so much the better for us and so much the better for, the, for those communities. Absolutely. There have been challenges along the way, though, and you mentioned earlier the big reorganisation that you're going through at the moment. Does it feel frustrating because this isn't the first set of redundancies you've been through over the last few years? Does it feel like that has set back your ability to make these other broader, more strategic points that you constantly have to talk about reorganisation? Yeah, so so, so I, I, I think, of course, that's true. Um, and of course, you know, it's, it's t- two aspects. As I, I'd say, you know, we, we've had a really challenging external environment as we have built towards the price cap, which now exists. So, you know, that has been a constant uh, negative that we have had to manage in terms of our, our, our comms. And as you say, the reorganisation has been fairly constant over the last period. And I think, you know, the the... The, the reason for that is that although for the last period, I think most of us feel we were on the right strategy, um, the, the issue is that, as it were, new Centrica and new British gas has grown more slowly than old Centrica and old British gas has declined. Um, and we needed to, with hindsight, act um, more quickly and, and more forcefully and the, that adjustment um has um um has come more more slowly um with hindsight than perhaps it might have done so it is frustrating but it is nonetheless very necessary i mean this is a this is now a highly highly competitive market um we have um as is you know well known we w- w- when i joined our, our share price was three pound fifty it's now um, in in the forties of pence, we you know we lost a million customers in the last two years. We we were a FTSE one hundred company, we're now a, a FTSE two fifty com- company. Um, w- w- we have to get our costs in the right place so we can actually compete in the market in which we are operating. 
But once we can do that, and, and, and as you say, it's been frustrating that it's taken um, quite a long time to get to that, that place. You know, we can be a platform um, for significant new green jobs, particularly in that space of what service engineers can do going forward, the fitting of the heat pumps, the fitting of EV chargers, the rollout of the smart meter network, which is completely necessary as the, as the base grid on which um, our renewable energy um, system will operate, um, the insulation of homes. All, all of those things are areas where we can create jobs. And I think it will, you know, that, 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 is, that is the necessary path, um, I believe, for our reputation, both as a company as, and as a sector, to get into a better place. Um, it, is, it is essentially that we will be going with the grain of a transition that is absolutely necessary for people. And it's widely recognised as... As, as necessary, rather than just being the expensive providers of a boring product. That does seem a much more inspiring vision, I'll give you that. But what I'm, I'm quite interested to understand what attracted you to Centrica, because you don't come from a classic corporate comms background, do you? No, that's, a, that's absolutely right. So my, so my own background is, is government. What attracted me to Centrica was par- partly about... Um, testing my having spent 30 years in government i've just disclosed to you how old i am um (laughs) years in government latterly with quite a lot of engagement with the private sector so my last job in government i ran our investment and export agency ukti um wanting to test myself in the private sector um and wanting to test myself in a sector which was highly political and involved a lot of engagement with government regulators and a lot of reputational challenges um, in uh, the media and the wider um, and, and, and the, wi- the wider wider society um, and, and energy is, is so totally that um, and I think the you know the, the politics of this sector I mean it, I mean you know it, it, it's essentially a sector which which is which has two huge political elements to it. One, one is that energy is a basic human right. People have to be able to heat their homes and they have to be able to light their lives. Um, and you know, energy kind of makes the things that, that they want and need operate. And secondly, there's this huge climate transition that needs to be made. And, 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 and you, know, you just have to say that those two things, and that, and that shows you why, why, why it is such a political issue. Of course, you know, th- th- there's an argument for saying that if it's human right, you shouldn't have to pay for it at all, but that's not the business model on which we, we operate. So, but, but people do then instinctively believe that you should pay as little as possible so that you know, everybody can afford it. Um, but we have this big transition at the same time, which has to be paid for one way or another, and it has a short-term cost short-term, very significant costs for long-term, massive benefits. And so you wanted to test yourself in the private sector. What have you discovered? Any surprises? So, so, um, so some, some surprises and some, um, some continuities, if, if you like. I mean, I think the, 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 the continuity is that in any large organisation, whether it's private sector or public sector, in order to get things done, you have to be a very effective 
networker. You have to identify within a larger organization all those who are who have a say in what you're trying to take forward and influence them effectively. I would say in terms of um, surprises, I would say that um, the the degree of engagement between company and government, um, it needs to be framed and seen as a partnership and to be intense and constant, I, I, I would say. Um, and I think um, that th those companies who are able to identify um, in advance the, the, the political issues that are likely to come and impact on their world and to be thinking in advance about how you build a partnership in a space that might become a conflict. That, that's a really important skill. Um, and I think it is, um, it's an important skill commercially and reputationally. It is absolutely um, of significance. You know, we saw it through, through the price caps, absolutely of, a, of significance in terms of the bottom line. But it is also, you know, crucially important um, in terms of reputation. And I would say that um, the... Um, in, in the in the end, I mean, of, of course, there are circumstances in which you have to kind of stand firm um, if you are seeing something which you you feel as a company which you feel is really not going to make sense for your customers and for 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 the sector. But you know, it, you're normally on a hiding for nothing if you're heading in a different direction um, than than a government. So being able to detect how you can design things in a way which is a partnership. Um, and how you can um, avoid conflict by actions you take before um, something becomes a big problem. And th those, are, those are big, big learnings um, for me. Not, not easy, easy to say, not easy to do, but absolutely, absolutely critical. Any tips for our listeners on how they can do those better? Yeah, so, so I think, I mean, in terms of overall... Um, management of reputation um, and making sure that these issues are fully understood by the broader business. I would say the, the, the first thing is to, is to be able to talk the language and to use the tools that businesses themselves use for running their own business. So I, I do think that reputation can and should be operated in a insightful, KPI-based, data-rich way. I think it is more effective both on its own merits, but also in terms of persuading um, uh, business leaders that, 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 that actually it, it means something. It's not just hot air, as it were. Um, se secondly, I think it is, um, as I say, really important to always start with the, with the aim of building a partnership um, um, with, with your professional stakeholders. And, and I, th I think thirdly now, um, really understand that the 
the, the, the zeitgeist is in a place where companies are expected to think about their social impact, um, social and environmental impact. I mean, w w when I started in Centrica, we hardly had any conversations with our investors about climate change. Now they're a dominant, you know, they're a dominant factor of those, those conversations. Um, and, you know, I think it's another thing, it, it was there before coronavirus, but it's another thing which will, um, which has been amplified and will last beyond coronavirus is, you know, it, it's almost a kind of, you know, what did you do in the war, daddy, kind of um, um, question. Pe pe people now do ask questions, both internally and externally. You know, what, so what, great, you, you're making that money, excellent. So what are you doing for society as well? What, what, how, how are you bringing something to society? I think recognizing that and making it central is, uh, you know, is, 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 is now critical for, for business leadership. That's everything from us. A big thank you to my guest, Nick Baird of Centrica. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll join me in two weeks' time for our season finale. To make that easier, please do find us at whyeverybodyhatesyou.co.uk and click subscribe on your favourite podcasting app. I would also be really grateful if you would leave us a review if you get the chance, as reviews help new listeners to find the show. Thank you for listening to Why Everybody Hates You. And remember, you are not alone. Thank you.